wasabi wallet, unfairly private. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? Uh, we've got some some fine gentlemen on the show this week uh, to, to discuss what has us fired up this week. Very excited to have them all. Uh, one of them, I have been on his show many, many times in the past. And this is, I don't know what I was thinking, but this is his first time on Why Are We Bullish? I don't know what the hell's wrong with me, but uh, it was long overdue. Glad to have him. And uh, a couple other gents that I'm also very excited to, to chat with here. Uh, but before I get ahead of myself, uh, of course, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my good friend, Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! You never know if something's going to break, so hopefully not. Anyways, if you haven't already, of course, hit that like button, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Now, before we bring in our guests, of course, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. I'm pulling up the Bitbo.io dashboard. We're sitting at $61,190 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 1,634 sats. 89.83% of all Bitcoin have been mined. That'll be 90 before uh, the end of the year. And in terms of fees, pretty low right now. Two sats per byte. Next block, uh, anything longer than uh, 30 minutes, one sat per byte will do you. Good time to you know, move around some coins if you need to, get some things in cold storage, maybe open some lightning channels, coin join, whatever tickles your fancy. Probably a good time. Uh, of course, shout out to sponsors of the show, shakepay.com. If you're stacking sats in Canada and you're not using ShakePay, what are you doing? This is the easiest way to do it. Also, they just upped their referrals, I think, just for the week. So if you're looking for some extra sats, uh, if you sign up uh, using the link below and you buy your first 100 bucks worth of Bitcoin, $30 referral bonus. Those are some uh, extra sats there. And also, if you're for a friend, you can shake your phone every day and get free sats. And if you got to get on a streak, the number of sats per day goes up. So check them out. Links are down below. Ledin.io, of course, you can use your Bitcoin for a variety of different services. If you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, but you need to get your hands on dollars, of course, you can deposit Bitcoin, get a loan of dollars to your bank account with the 24 hours. You pay back those dollars, you get back the same number of sats, which is the important number. They, of course, have savings accounts, B2X offering, all that stuff. Check them out. I do live on Bitcoin. BitRefill helps me a lot with this. Every gift card you can imagine, and you can buy them with Bitcoin uh, on chain or Lightning Network, which I always use. You also earn sats back as you shop, so check them out. In regards with hardware, you guys know Keystone, my fave. Uh, air-gapped goodness. Basically, you never plug the thing into anything internet-connected. Keys are kept safe and away from devious internet connections, and it works with all my faves. Blue Wallet, Wasabi, Spectre, Sparrow, all those good wallets. Pretty good in a multi-sig too. And finally, if you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, of course, uh, Steel might be a better option than paper. Fire damage, water damage, you guys know the drill. Uh, check them out 
over at privacypros.io. And I'm going to stop ranting here. I'm going to bring in some uh, some of my guests. Uh, so uh, welcome, Brian, Brad, and Adam. I'm very excited to have you guys on the show. Let's just do a, a quick down the line and, and get some intros. Uh, Brian, can you, can you let people know uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm uh, Brian Solston and and been studying Bitcoin, mastering Bitcoin, and, and I'm very into studying Lightning Network. I'm very much in interested in uh, per, you know peer to peer networks, and so I'm I'm really getting into the Lightning Network. It's the most amazing software out there right now. Awesome! I'm very excited to have you. You also wrote a book. You're you're too. Uh... <laughs> you're you're too humble to mention it, but uh, I'm I it just arrived, so uh, I'm I'm about to dive in. I'm very excited to take a look. Yeah, that, at that book is a is a personal narrative of why I went down the the rabbit hole, and um, so it's it's not a hardcore get orange field kind of book. There's some other books I would probably recommend, but that's a personal narrative of why I went down. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dive in. It looks pretty interesting to me. So uh, I, I'm glad that we got chatting. Uh, let's keep going, going down the line, though. Adam, this is long overdue. Uh, I, I cannot, Can I get like a hello, everyone, or, or a strong hand or something? I need something from you. Hello, everyone. Mm, mm. <laughs> this is the Bitcoin Meister. I'm the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. And BTC Benny... BTC sessions, whatever you want to call him, okay? The Calgary, the Calgary dude, Brent Hart. Dude, we are together again. We've been together so much on the internet, as you refer to. You've been on my show many times. I've been on other shows of yours. I've been on now on this show of yours. We have embraced each other in person. Yes, people really meet in person still. Oh, yes. Oh, I love this man in an internet type of way, okay? So I've been doing, I've had, uh, I did my first show back in 2013. I bought my first two Bitcoin back in 2013. I never sold a freaking Bitcoin. So that's probably why I'm so freaking happy right now, people. <laughs> <laughs> Buy and hold, you thought it was a freaking joke. <laughs> You'll like when I grab the Lamborghini for your front lawn, baby. Hell that one. But seriously, uh, I love Bitcoin. I love getting, waking everybody up here. I'm a unique beast, and yeah, go to coinbeast.com too. They're they're pretty cool dudes. But I'm disruptmeister.com and TechBot on Twitter. It is a pleasure to freaking be here. I'll let everybody else. I, know. I don't, Brad. Brad, how in the hell are you going to follow that up? Oh man, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, thanks for letting me go third. All right, I'm I'm Brad Mills. That that doesn't have as much energy as Adam right now, but uh, I've, I'm also a early Bitcoiner. And uh, have a podcast that nobody listens to. And uh, <laughs> what I've been doing lately is investing some of my Bitcoin stash that I've been hodling for a while in that I didn't lose on Mt. Gox or gamble away on shit coins um, in the 2014 and 2017 bubble uh, into Bitcoin businesses and, and like trying to trying to support Bitcoin entrepreneurs, making some content recently. Helped produce uh, this machine greens, which is a documentary about Bitcoin mining and the and the truth behind the energy conversation about Bitcoin. So that's what I'm doing lately, trying to do my part to uh, influence folks in the entrepreneurial circles I run in on why Bitcoin's the thing to pay attention to and 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 kind of direct them towards the signal of Bitcoiners and Bitcoin content. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm so glad to have all of you. <laughs> Uh, as as per usual, uh, stellar panel here. Very excited to to get rolling with this. So 
Um, those people watching that are unfamiliar with why are we bullish? Really simple. We go by the three R's. Effectively, somebody's going to give a reason why they're bullish. Then all together, we will riff on that reason, and then we'll rotate to the next person. Three R's. Really easy. So I'm going to um, I'm going to get us kicked off here, and so I'm going to bring up a topic that that I've just found kind of interesting. I'm still in the midst of diving into it and experimenting with it. And um, it's, it's always weird when I bring up these topics because so, uh, oftentimes you even it, it's so kind of new that that the uh, even the panelists might be like, I, I don't know. I, I haven't played with that yet, but I'm interested right now in state chains. Ooh, um, yeah, me too. Yeah. So so state chains are interesting. I'm, I guess I may as well show my screen. Uh, the reason I started looking at this is because now there's there's actual like easier wallets to, to utilize um, for state chains. So I've been looking at Mercury wallet and I'm starting to learn about it. Um, so I don't know. How do I how do I describe state chains? Uh, it's so with with lightning network um you lock up bitcoin and and you can transact off chain with with bitcoin that you yourself still control um and so this cuts down on fees it, it cuts down on on bloat on the bitcoin blockchain um it makes it transactable as as simple as cash which is great um now on the other side of things uh there's the idea of coin join and so coin join uh, effectively allows you to to swap ownership of utxos or or rather um combine utxos with others so there, there's no clear link between you and your coins um and so that can help preserve privacy state chains is is kind of a bit of a mishmash of that in that you're you're creating specific size utxos of bitcoin specific little pieces of bitcoin um and then rather than doing on-chain transactions you're swapping the keys that own those specific utxos so so the transactions awesome. effectively do not uh there's like, no like virtual open dimes yeah, exactly. Virtual open dimes. That's a great comparison, which I just did a tutorial on open dimes uh, like this week. Um, but it's crazy. It's it's so you basically it's it's a multi sig. So there's it the the trade off here is it's not fully trustless in that there's got to be some sort of a, a a coordinator type thing because it's a multi sig um, between you and the the coordinator. Uh, over ownership of that particular utxo and when you swap utxos with somebody else um the the coordinator and my understanding is that they obviously cannot um they can't move the coins independently of you um and so they basically swap the two keys that would control uh, the UTXOs. So basically you just hold a different key to a different piece of Bitcoin. Um, but every single one of them has a time lock where uh, once it times out, then you can uh, move it without the coordinator's help and just withdraw it. Uh, otherwise you can get the coordinator to sign the other half of the transaction and remove your UTXOs. But again, it, it, it reduces bloat on the Bitcoin blockchain. It basically turns Bitcoin into uh, set amounts. So imagine like a, instead of a hundred dollar bill, you have like a hundred thousand sat uh, UTXO that is just stays like that. 
and is basically coin join without fees. Um, free and instant. Uh, so this is pretty wild. Um, I am still diving in. I'm still trying to understand the trade-offs fully, uh, the possible attack vectors, but pretty wild. And apparently this is a, this is an article from Ruben Sobson from two years ago, but you can do lightning network within a state chain and you can also settle the state chain into a regular lightning channel, which is, is I'm not really, I, I tried oh, wow. to read so you can this. Like, you can like break the virtual open dime into a lightning channel. Yes. That's and you can also have effectively a lightning channel within the virtual open dime. So you own part of the virtual open oh, dime. Cool. You can so swap lightning channels inside of the state chain transactions. Yes. That's and my, 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 my brain is melting trying to understand all this stuff, but it's very, very interesting. And I plan on, on playing with it. I plan on doing a video once I can wrap my head around mercury wallet. It's still in beta. It's early days, but I don't know guys like the, this kind of stuff, just everything seems to now that we've gotten past the hurdle of getting Segwit in and we've started to actually build on top of Bitcoin there's so much stuff happening. I almost, I like, I cannot keep up. And uh, so I don't know, like, what are you guys thoughts on this or just second layer in general? Um, feel free to chime in. Uh, I'm just so pleased that layer two is much more than some theoretical stuff that it used to be. And we had all these haters saying, oh, my altcoin can do this. Bitcoin is a dead chain. There's nothing innovative on Bitcoin. And we would always say that the second layer solutions are coming. Second, So here we go. You get this freaking awesome real life second layer solution uh, that plays, that, that gets into the realm of being a little bit of anonymous type of stuff, which I like also. Uh, so it's, it, it's very exciting. It's a slap in the face to the people who say it's uh, it's for old. It's the old man chain. There's no innovation. Not Boomer that I care coin. what they say. Not that I care what they say. But there's so much that can be done on something that does seem so basic. I mean, Bitcoin was the original. This second layer stuff is freaking amazing. And the the what you, the way you described it, uh, I got to give you guys credit. It was uh, a virtual open dime. That really explains it well <laughs> for, for, someone, for, for someone who gets it. So uh, good job. I, I, I always love innovation and I always love to see that even though I am not a tech guy, that the innovation can be quite hardcore on something that is not as complicated as Ethereum. I mean, people always say, oh, you can build so much on Ethereum. This, that. Look, what, this is something that's needed right now on Bitcoin. It's involved with being anonymous. So very good stuff. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about it. Uh, you, you know, the reason why I got excited about Bitcoin originally is because I was, you know, I, I'm from the old school when Internet was growing 25% a month. You know, I was part of a search engine company at that time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was excited about the, the Internet. It was going to be decentralized and, and offer privacy and information at your fingertips and all that stuff. But let's face it, it has been centralized. We've lost a lot of our privacy, you know, thanks to some of the weakening of privacy by the U.S. government. But also, you know, Beijing's CCP has been very, you know, and their great firewall has centralized in a big way what the Internet did promise and, and Bitcoin and the Lightning Network in combination are going to bring that back. They're going to bring that vision back and make it make it real for everybody. 
So yeah, Lightning Network, what's going on? I'm, I'm trying to get all these concepts, you know, like when you had that screen and you started talking about, or you didn't talk about it, but I saw it on the screen, L2. You know, that's something I'm trying to get my, my arms around right now. This is all so new, moving so fast. Uh, it's wonderful. We've, we've got our work cut out for us, I think. That's for sure. How about you, Brad? What's your... Uh, what's I, your... I, man, I love this stuff. And this is, this is what... Because uh, that triggers me as well. When you see a lot of uh, people saying, like, Lightning Network doesn't work. Nobody's using it. Look, it can't do smart contracts. You, you hear a lot of this. Kind of triggers me, but also makes me so happy because I know that they're just going to miss out on the Bitcoin run <laughs> because they're sleeping on oh, Bitcoin. Yeah. They're sleeping on Lightning Network. Their bags are packed with all these stable coins farming 20% APY or whatever, and they got all these layer one coins, and they're just thinking, I'll eventually go back into Bitcoin because it's a better store of value than all these coins. But they just think it's boomer coin. It's just store of value. Can't do anything. Meanwhile, there's literally hundreds of developers working on these amazing like second layer technologies on Bitcoin, privacy improvements, wallets, companies, businesses, mining improvements. It's just really impressive to, and, and like heartening to see there's so much activity and so much creativity happening still. And like I, I've been trying to pay more attention to Ruben Sompson and Jeremy Rubin, both of those guys. Because they're doing state chains, uh, trust chains, I think is the other one, and um, some other chain of some sort that, like, this is all bleeding edge stuff. And it, it, it requires some changes to Bitcoin, which is some of it does, some of it doesn't. So mm -hmm. some of the stuff, like Jeremy Rubin's doing this op CTV thing, which will somehow improve privacy on, on uh, federated side chains. And OpCTV has been like in discussion for like a, a year and a half now. And it seems to have consensus. It's, it's like a pretty, a pretty easy change to make to Bitcoin. And uh, you know, it, it's going to take a little while for this stuff to, to make it to Bitcoin, but it is really impressive to see that this is happening on Bitcoin. And like eventually if there's a use case for, dApps and all that stuff to to be normal people to use it will have the ability to to do it on bitcoin and most of the people who are haters and doubters on it will just be stuck in their you know coins that are trending to zero against bitcoin that's the way i think it's going to work out anyways yeah it's it seems to be it the way it's going when i uh what was it impervious impervious.ai they they had a hackathon a while back which is basically building a layer on top of lightning network so you got bitcoin as base layer of value lightning network as base layer transactional layer uh and then they they're building applications on top of that and some of the stuff that came out of that was just mind bending being able to you know not only do things like like uh messaging apps over lightning network but but actual like you could place a phone call that gets routed through the lightning network and is entirely on lightning. And there's no that, record of that wild. call ever be uh, existing. So how does that work? I saw that, that there was like somebody who could build phone calls on. It, yeah. The it, was, it was called, how does that work? Was, you know, it was called red phone. And I, I, I don't know, like it's, it's, I mean, really you're just, you're sending data. And when, when the data itself is, is, uh, does, does, doesn't cost anything. Like you're not using the Bitcoin blockchain, then, then feasibly, if you're part of a network, then you should be able to send that data over any any network, right? So, 
uh, yeah, they they did that. Wow. They did they did file transfer uh, over Lightning Network, which actually took uh, took advantage of atomic multipath payments uh, AMP, and so they were able to take a file, split it into a bunch of tiny little files, spread out through all of these different um, payment channels, and then reconvene on the destination and reconstruct the file via Lightning Network. Without the need for a token, may I that's say? That's wild, man. Like that, that's awesome. Because like, there is some things that are being done in the wider like cryptoverse that are kind of interesting. Like IPFS is something that a lot of Bitcoiners kind of like look at. IPFS mm -hmm. is cool, but then they went and they added Filecoin to it, which is like an incentive model for people to like mm -hmm. mine Filecoins using IPFS. But you don't need Filecoin to use IPFS. And I was on a dev call uh, to a couple of days ago. I, I'm not a I'm not a um, developer myself. I'm not like really that technical, but I like to try to like do my best to keep up with things. And th there was an RGB call, and they were talking about the latest developments in RGB. And for those that don't know, RGB is a second layer on top of Lightning Network or interoperable with Lightning Network that allows the ability to do colored coins like assets. So you could you, you could do um, tether or nfts or whatever you want on lightning network and it and it interop it rides on the lightning network and this thing that they that they figured out was how to do this bifrost thing and this storm protocol on top of lightning network that allows ipfs style file storage and retrieval on the lightning network so that's two projects that we're looking at now that are talking about doing some pretty crazy shit on top of Lightning Network and Bitcoin that doesn't have a token. So yeah, you don't need tokens to get this done. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was just going to say, uh, if, when, when anybody's not talking, apparently there's background noise that the audience is getting. So if you're not talking, just there's a little mute button at the bottom and then that'll cut down on it. Um, it's Bri Brian. Uh, yeah, it might be himself. Brian. Brian's got to mute himself. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Awesome. Uh, sorry, Adam, you were saying. It's interesting you bring up IFPS. I keep I keep hearing a lot about it, um, and I think the, I think the issue is it's it's difficult for an, a regular person to use IFPS or what, I might be missing the, the, the initials or... backwards, and that the uh, that coin that you mentioned, Filecoin, is 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 a way to. Uh, get people to do it for you to incentivize them so something could be intertwined with bitcoin i'm sure i'm sure there could be some second layer solution that could make it easy for bitcoiners to interact with ifps i, I think i think this this is part of indeed anyone can use ifps i, I just don't think there's a, like an easy way to to enter i mean who wants to who wants to host a, a to be a host via ifps you want to somehow get someone to do it for you. So I think that's what Filecoin does. It incentivizes people to do it for you, to store your information for you. And I'm sure something with Bitcoin can be intertwined with that. And that is, again, that is the beauty of these, these second layer solutions. And so many people just don't want to dive anywhere. And I understand people only have, only have a certain amount of time during the day. They see Bitcoin as boring. So they, they don't want to you know, know about the second layer solutions. It, and it, it can be complex. All this can be very complex. So, but it, it is great to hear uh, and I, I do want to point out with what, what someone said, uh, coin join without the fees. If what Benny describes is really coin join without the fees, then this is quite uh, innovative and uh, something a lot of people would want to use. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely going to be playing around with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love uh, the idea of obfuscating things and and confusing the hell out of uh, uh, chainalytics and or what a uh, chainalysis or or whatever the com- the various chainalytics companies, chain analytics companies. Uh, but I mean, this is like a, a whole other level. Like, there's just it could be questionable who owns anything at all at any point, literally like Brian, uh, like Brad said, virtual open dimes, uh, pretty awesome. So, yeah, so very excited about that. Let me just add one more thing about impervious AI. What they're doing is, I think is, is, uh, very pioneering. We've, we've got Bitcoin, you know, that's a zero to one or really Bitcoin and lightning network and li- liquid networks. I mean, really they're all together. They're, they're really the zero to one, uh, Impervious AI, they're really getting to the one-to-many innovation, and there's going to be thousands of players in that space in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just the beginning. Yeah, I, I would echo that absolutely. Uh, also, I really like that book, uh, Peter Thiel, Zero to One. I think that's a good read. <laughs> so I think I think that rounds out that topic well, pretty well. I, I oh, yeah, Adam. One more thing. It's, it's something that was just said that inspired me. I, in terms of uh, you know, getting into Bitcoin, in terms of it's it's going up in value, we've gotten to a point where it's no longer early. Okay, it's it's no longer early. I mean, you can't. I mean, Michael Saylor's into it, all these banks own it, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the technology being developed on top of Bitcoin, yes, it is very early in that. Someone oh, yeah. just said that, and that was very inspirational to me because you know, we we can still claim one aspect of Bitcoin is still super early, and that is that second layer. T- uh, second layer stops. So, so very, very good. Whoever said that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in, in terms of, of Bitcoin as a, a global on its road to a global store of value, you know, we're, we're getting further down that road. We're early ish, but still like the people don't realize how much, as we just discussed, how much can happen on top of Bitcoin. And so they're, they're discounting all of that value. And, uh, and that's going to be a slap in the face to a lot of people, I think. So yeah, let's, uh, let's round up that topic. I think that we, we, that one, uh, was a good little combo here. I think, uh, let's keep it rolling. We're going to move on to our next reason for being bullish. Of course, everybody in the chat, uh, I see you guys, uh, keep those comments coming and of course, smash that like button, give this a share, all that good stuff. Uh, we're going to jump over to Brian. And I know you want to be talking uh, about what you're not only has you excited this week, but kind of uh, in, in a broader sense, uh, what has you quite excited about Bitcoin and, and uh, how it's affecting the world and, and some of the implications. I'm going to let you kind of run with it. And once you get your thoughts out, you just open it up to us. So, uh, Brian, uh, you can take the stage here and don't forget to unmute. Yeah, you know, I, I think the signpost happening this week is what gets me excited. But that that opens up, uh, you know, there's a lot of unpacking to do on that. And that is, we've got China's uh, interest rates on their bonds are, are spiking. Australia, they, they aren't defending. Central Bank is not defending uh, their bonds. It's it's It also spiked CDS, the credit default swaps on Turkey. They're going up. It costs more for them to, to get bonds, to issue bonds over in Turkey. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if bond is another Lebanon in a couple of years from now. Uh, it could happen. Um, so these are the signposts that are happening where, where it's like, okay, we're, we're starting to, to hit 
we might be hitting an inflection point where we go to what I call, uh, I call it my user case number 16. Okay, and I want to give a little bit of background on this. I, I was down in El Salvador for about five weeks. I was just using Lightning Network and so on. And right at the very beginning of that, uh, the Minneapolis Federal Reserve president, he says, he was talking about crypto. He says, I've not seen any use case other than funding illicit activities like drugs and prostitution. And I thought, is this guy purposely trying to be ignorant? Purposely trying to be yeah. ignorant? And, and so, I, so I spent about every day, I, I would work on use cases for Bitcoin. And it turned out I, I was trying to get them very separate from each other, very distinct. And uh, I got 16. I wrote them down on my, on my website, xenimal.xyz. And uh, truth is, I still have overlap between 1, 3, and 16. But uh, today, I, for this week, I really wanted to just talk about through the lens of 16, which is the use cases flips the incentive from exponential Keynesian consumption to savings and consumption. And that's that when you start to see these bonds go up, fiat's inflation, you know, in other words, fiat is, de um, is devaluing, the bonds are devaluing, their, their devaluations are truly accelerating. You know, this freight train has been going down the rail for 50 years. And we're running out of rail now. So yeah, if you go all the way to 16, that's the one that, I, that I'm looking at. And I know I still have some overlap on one and three. I, I don't know if I'm gonna be changing this anymore, but I worked on this almost a little bit each day when I was down in El Salvador, just to try to get 16, or I didn't, I didn't care if it was 16, one or, or 20. I, I was just trying to get distinct use cases for, for Bitcoin and Lightning Network. So, um, So one thing, one thing that's happening is, you know, this, this Keynesian manipulation is happening not only in the United States, but it's even happening in Japan. I mean, I, I read today or yesterday that Central Bank is what, or they're going to issue, what, $800 to uh, Japanese that are under the age of 18, I believe. I mean, it's like they cannot get anything to, to cause stimulus. In other words, United States drops trillions of dollars into the economy and the velocity of money is flat. It doesn't, it doesn't happen like it used to. And it, and it's getting worse because we have a, a debt to GDP ratio of 130%. And so, yeah, they dump a bunch of money in there, you know, back in, back in the day when we didn't have this debt to GDP ratio, uh, they would, you know, dump in a, a few billion and it, and it would, uh, stimulate the economy that's not happening anymore so it's so we're running out of rail this this freight train is 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 we're, we're getting to the end of this and so the, we're hitting an inflection point where people are going to be getting out of fiat they're going to be getting out of bonds and they're going to be buying more solid assets and that's going to be bitcoin it's already starting to happen and that's going to accelerate it's going to happen slowly like we all know and then suddenly and so, so uh, that's, that's what I'm seeing a lot of those side, signposts increase. Um, also, I want to talk about uh, 1940s. We were in this situation because of World War II, um, but we have a different situation now. We have a, a different demographic with, with the age. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the quantitative easing, um, 
where we were going out and, and socializing all these bankruptcies. Uh, that's, you know, that's a different situation. Um, and also we have a lot more social uh, entitlements that are out there. So in the 1940s, yeah, they went out and inflated away a lot of debt after World War II. We're in a different situation. Our, our demographics, we're, we're a lot older now. We don't have a young population like we had anymore. So how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to, how are we going to escape out of this, this situation where, where our, our, how do we stimulate the economy? Well, we can't inflate our way out of it. And so they're going to continue to print at an accelerated rate. And Bitcoin is going to be recognized as that escape. Uh, we're, go we're, we're going to be hitting an inflection point. Maybe we already are, already have. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. I, I've got a question for you, actually. Uh, a couple of questions. So maybe maybe you could play out the game theory a little bit for me. Um, I, very early on, I was not familiar uh, with one of your first points about how Australia is no longer defending uh, the interest rates on, on its bonds. So so how does that play out? What does that look like? And, and what's the danger there for, for their economy and not doing so anymore? Well, if, if interest rates go to the real rates rather than the ones where they're they're manipulating to force them down so that we can stimulate the economy. Well, if interest rates go up, that's going to slow the economy down again. So they can't, they can't manipulate the economy to, to get out of, out of a recession. So that's that, that Keynesian theory that has not just been used for bad times, but it's used all the time to stimulate the economy for, you know, political gain. And, uh, and, that's the freight train that uh, that is running out of rail. So inflation, you know, bonds being devalued, real negative rates on all bonds around the world now. Um, that, that's another another huge point. All bonds on in the world right now have a real negative rate because they're not keeping up with inflation based on their return. That's insane. And, and so we have this institutional momentum where people still buy us bonds and what we have more than a hundred trillion, more than a hundred trillion. I'm not really a gold bug. You know, I, I, I'm into Bitcoin cause it's a great protocol. It's a, you know, you call it a Bitcoin standard. Yeah. Okay. Bitcoin protocol. When you start talking about that and comparing it to bonds, that's a hundred trillion dollar market. And we're going to hit an inflection point where Bitcoin is a more solid investment than, than that bond market. So, yeah, I'm very bullish. Well, we're worth worth a little more than one trillion right now in Bitcoin, and we're a better investment than a hundred trillion dollar market. You know, so yeah, I'm I'm extremely bullish. Awesome. I don't know, Adam, Brad, if you want to guys, if you guys want to chime in, feel free. I want to say about the the, si the signposts are there. You're absolutely right. So you're saying that Japanese are doing a stimulus program too, basically? I mean, that's that's what it sounds like. I didn't even oh, know. yeah. The, Japan, the Japanese have a higher uh, debt-to-GDP ratio than the United States. Oh, yeah. They, they've been doing the Keynesian economics for a long time. So, okay. Yes. They've been doing this for a long time, indeed. And they, they're, they're, it's, they're, it's been on life support, their economy for quite – or it's been boring, their economy, since the late 80s. Okay? They've been able to pull this thing off – 
for a while. The signposts are there that it's getting worse all over the world, that money printing is, is everyone's doing money printing now. And thus, we must be getting closer to this hyperinflationary moment where everyone will leave fiat and wake up. I don't believe it at all. I don't think it's the signposts are there. The smart people, the smart people out there have protected themselves. The normies, the 80 percenters, most of the people who must be loyal to the country will believe in their fiat because their country told them to. All the Japanese, they've been told to spend, spend, spend for 20 years to believe in the yen. They've all done it. And, and they're some pretty responsible people. They've got a pretty cool country over there. In America, in the rest of the Western world, everybody has been, not everybody, 80% of the people have been blindly following what their government has been telling them to do with their bodies, when to go outside. When, so inflation to them, if they say inflation is good, and they will say it's, if they say, if the country, the country says inflation is good, they will just say it's happy inflation. Look, the prices are going up on everything. It's a good thing. People are eating it up. And yeah, that's, that's a signpost also that all the houses are going up in value, but it's been twisted in, it's been twisted around saying, oh, look, the, the people who own houses are getting wealthier. And it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that the, the, the pork costs more money over there at the supermarket. So I think, um, I think we're living in some very interesting times here. We, you, you know, you make it seem like uh, the, the money printing can only go so far. They can only take it to a certain level. But we haven't. And you mentioned negative interest rates. We haven't even gotten into turning the dollar into a Fed coin yet. There hasn't. We haven't introduced a central bank digital currency to the United States of America yet. That will happen. They will able to be able to do real negative interest rates on that. If you don't spend it, you get penalized. We're not even close to that yet. We're not. So that's that's still a trick up the sleeve. But that all of this lies ahead is great for people like the four of us because we've already prepared. We've already gotten our Bitcoin right now. But and for people who are listening that haven't done this, it, it's you might we might never get hyper. We're never going to get hyperinflation in the United States, I think, because people are so blindly obedient to their government. They will they will go to the ends of the earth to do what is good for the government and what is horrible for them okay that is the the weak c-u-c-k's that make up most of the western world today they will <laughs> worship their government it is their religion they will do whatever they say so hyper hyper inflation is partly a, a mental thing is partly a psychological thing so people will harm themselves before they they lose faith in the united states dollar but again the bottom line is is that this it's all being devalued. It might not be hyperinflation, but there's definitely inflation going on. You don't want to be stuck in the normie land. This, there are more and more signs out there every day. That is your point. That there more, and that is news. And you should be bullish that there are more and more signs out there. Oh, oh, and and let, me, let me bring up. Most let me bring up two more points, Adam. Signs. Yes. Um, you know, we all know that there's going to be some kind of hyper Bitcoinization sometime in the future that that will be some kind of inflection um i would also like to add and others are talking about this also that hype bit hyper bitcoinization is also uh, a debt jubilee bitcoin is the debt jubilee for all this debt because as you inflect from the bonds and from fiat that's inflating you may have debts but they disappear as that as that Fiat and bonds become, you know, more or less paper in, to, in the curve. Doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a, a, a debt jubilee. Bitcoin is a debt ju debt jubilee. A lot of people are going to get hurt, and the ones that are get into Bitcoin sooner are going to be in the lifeboats. 
Bitcoin is a way to uh, enjoy the debt, debt jubilee. And I, I, I think so many, I, I don't, this Bitcoinization, hyper-Bitcoinization is, it's up to interpretation what you mean that to be. Everyone has a different definition of what hyper-Bitcoinization is. I think a lot of people think that it's going to become the world reserve currency. I do not think it will become the world reserve currency because people will not give, give up on their, their currencies. And again, so, some of them will experience something like a debt jubilee if they were in great debt and uh, it, it will be okay to still be holding uh your, 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 your fiat, um, your, your debt won't be as, uh, as bad on you personally at that point. It doesn't mean that they're going to jump into Bitcoin to get the ultimate value out of this uh, debt jubilee. I, I, I agree. I see where you're coming with, come from with the debt jubilee. But I think, I think we do need a good definition of what hyper-Bitcoinization is because it is, it's different things to different people. And I, I, do, I never see um, – I think – Bitcoin could be incredibly successful if only 10, 20, 30 percent of the people on Earth uh, know that they're using it and are using it. If the majority of people on Earth uh, want to have fun staying poor and, and use their very convenient Fed coins, because these Fed coins are going to be really convenient. People value convenience over, you know, preserving wealth for themselves. They, they, they really do. And they will gladly give up all their privacy and be totally monitored uh, with, with these Fed coins for, for the sake of. So there's value to people who don't value long term wealth in these Fed coins and sticking with, with their fiat. But I mean, we are I, I, again, all four of us are on the same page here in terms of that. Yeah, Bitcoin is the best money. It is the best money. I am just of the prerogative that most people will never realize it at all and will have fun staying poor and just do whatever. Believe all the lies that are out there around Bitcoin and believe uh, uh, and value the convenience of being monitored and being a slave of their government through their, uh, their, their digital. Well, I, I'm of the position that, that fiat and, and bonds are going to devalue at an accelerating rate. And uh, so that's, that's what's going to happen. And when we come out of this, when we, when we find something that's, let's say, more trustworthy, sound money, whatever that is, uh, then, then we're going to look back on at this, let's say, use case number 16, and it will make perfect sense. Right now, people look at it and go, what? You know, and, th and that use case is it flips the incentive from exponential Keynesian consumption to savings and conservation. I'm a conservationist, okay? I'm from the greater Seattle area. I'm into Bitcoin. Put that together. How often do you hear that? <laughs> right? Not too often, but I'm into it. And if people really understood it, if conservationists really understood Bitcoin, they would be talking about Bitcoin more than any other topic. Because when we come out on the other side, there's two things that are going to be obvious. Fiat printing is exponential consumption. Mm -hmm. And secondly, Bitcoin is savings. Bitcoin is conservation. I like your uh, yeah, exponential consumption. Well, it's it's very in line with uh, the the Jeff Booth thesis that that uh, inflation is the number one uh, reason and 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 one of the the number one uh, causes of environmental harm. Like if 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 an economy has to uh, operate with with growth at all costs, how do you square that? in the same mindset uh, as as trying to quote unquote save the planet right um it's, it's impossible to square those two th two things and so we cannot we cannot accomplish conservation where we have exponential consumption 
this system will not allow us to do savings. It does not allow us to be conservationists. I want to bring up, you know, you say you're from the Seattle area and, you know, you're in the, it's surprising to some people. It shouldn't be surprising to people. This is, everyone's got to get out of that mindset. Progressives, leftists, whatever, everybody can be in the Bitcoin. You you obviously realize this, Brian. I, 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 I wouldn't group group it all as progressives and leftists as being a conservationist. No, that's that's not a well, but I just proper want to say, grouping. There's a site, the progressivebitcoiner.com, and it just gives another perspective on you know what makes up a, a big bulk of the, of the bitcoin community i think people have a certain narrative about a bitcoiner and i mean i think that's what you're trying to say that there's a certain narrative about what a, a bitcoiner is and that you break that mold and and, and I, I agree if you believe in the tr- traditional mold uh that it, it might shock a few people that you come from a certain background or whatever it doesn't shock me at all it doesn't i mean i understand that 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 bitcoin can be for anyone out there and i i, I this is, we're getting to uh, getting into a separate topic here yeah I, I do wish i wish there were more people uh, out there that didn't understand that they, they try to pigeonhole Bitcoin to be for a certain type of person. It, it is. It, it's for. It is for everyone. Everyone can find a benefit. Yeah, and and I want to bring this back to Jeff Booth. Um, you know, Jeff Booth, Greg Foss, Plan B. Those are my three favorites. I, those those guys are the trio that that really made it crystal clear to me. And in fact, I, I put down their their handles and and references for them all, on another web page on Zenimal.xyz. Um, so just so people can get to their Twitter without getting these fake handles that, that are kind of causing problems on, on the Twitter accounts. But those guys are great. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're, they've, they've done some pretty phenomenal work. Um, Brad, I don't know if you want to chime in here. If you, I'll, I'll hand the mic to you if you have anything. Yeah, I, I, I kind of spend some time thinking about this stuff because I... I, I'm I'm on a lifelong journey of like trying to understand what the hell is going on with our money system and our politics and social economic systems and everything. And like, there's always more data. There's always more surprises. Um, and Adam's probably right that <laughs> people are just going to take the, the free money and be like, all right, I guess I get some 500 free bucks for reporting my neighbor for not, declaring his bitcoin that he made today mowing someone's lawn and that's the hyper bitcoinized world with cbdc's you know social credit scores and all that and maybe that is a weird world that we might end up in but i think just in general like there's a lot more things that central bankers and politicians can do to try to stave off like the pitchforks and the depressionary times and the hyperinflation like it's it's all it all ends in in like more consumerism, less conservation, more reliance on the state, less capitalist ideals, more compliance. It, it, it is not a great path to go towards. Um, but I asked this to Jeff Booth and I asked this to um, uh, Robert Breedlove and a couple different people that interview. I want to hear like what, what other, what other people are think like, you know, what is the alternative? Because, we all know that where this where this system ends without Bitcoin would be like a World War Three or a Great Depression 2.0 or something crazy like that, because there's no there's no like rational foundation or fundamental escape valve or whatever for people that are rational to escape the nonsense that's happening. And without Bitcoin as this this like pi- pi- pipeline into rationality, 
that people like us can just store our wealth and operate and tune into this signal. And like, we understand the problem. We understand the solution. Let's all work together to just rebuild things if they do fall apart on a foundation of sound money. It, it might fall apart anyways with Bitcoin. Like it, things might get so crazy that things fall apart and you are protecting your financial self with Bitcoin for sure. But if we didn't have Bitcoin, man, I would not be as bullish. I would probably be like down a down a rabbit hole of like QAnon and and like uh, the they're turning all the frogs gay and like I'd be so far down a, a rabbit hole of like what is causing all this? Like there's not this doesn't make any sense. How can the world be like this? But thank God for Bitcoin because it is a signal in all this noise, and it does allow us to look at like rational solutions like. Jeff Booth's book is amazing. It's like technology will solve the problems of like, like uh, we need to get to some kind of post-scarcity or or strive towards post-scarcity where energy is cheap and free and abundant. And we also need to kind of try to take care of people and educate people and take care of the planet and make sure the society doesn't crumble. <laughs> like, but yeah, he's totally right. Like the the central banks and the politicians are at odds with what technology and sound money can do for us, and it kind of sucks to see. But but like Michael Saylor has a great way of thinking about this that um we don't need to attack or we don't need to root for the fall of like the fiat system or the central bankers or the politicians. We just need to keep working. We just need to keep evangelizing Bitcoin. Just share the mes message of the signal of Bitcoin to more and more people. And like that's hyper Bitcoinization to me when we don't need, like I used to be like Occupy Wall Street and end the Fed and like all that stuff that used to really motivate me. And I'd go down these rabbit holes of like, how is this how is this possible that these cabals of people control our money system and our politics but now it's more like that doesn't even matter like look what we have here this is this is truth this is like the most sensical thing that we can possibly focus our minds on because the like the trope right fix the money fix the world it's literally true like you fix the money and then all other things will come come together in a more sane way. It's not like it's going to fix things completely, but it allows things to be more sane and rationality to come back in into everything. It's it's kind of like if you know, it, going down to those the, the rallies and the Fed and Occupy Wall Street with the existence of Bitcoin. It's like it's like sitting in a horrible restaurant and <laughs> yeah. complaining about it when next door is some five-star incredible place where you can just get a feast for the same price. You just it's feel like, like <laughs> you feel like Morpheus, eh? You're just yeah. like, you guys don't know, but <laughs> there's yeah. some there's a pill here for you. My my meal is delicious, and you're sitting in that that <laughs> that decrepit, disgusting place next door eating eating your bugs. It uh, does like, like <laughs> it, it, it's like before Bitcoin. This, this, it was a much more on everything because you, you can't do anything about it. There's nothing you can do to change mm -hmm. a central banker from printing everybody's money away. Like you just feel pissed off and you, you just feel like you live in an unjust world and the universe is bad and like people are not going to get what's what they deserve. But then with Bitcoin, I don't know, I just get a lot more bullish on like 
the future and, and, and hopeful because like there is a, a way to go forward. Bullish on humanity, man. That's that's what yeah. it gives you. <laughs> well, I like I love this topic. I think it's great. I think we're in general, we're on all on the same wavelength of Bitcoin fixes this, more or less. It's just what what is the the path uh and how extreme and rocky is it gonna be on the way there? Um, but I mean we've already kind of we've we've taken the steps to fix it for ourselves. Now it's just the efforts of hopefully fixing it for our friends, family, and people that we care about. So um, yeah, I think, I think this is fantastic. Uh, uh, Brian, that's, that was a great topic and I'm, ben, I'm even, even more forward looking forward to your book. Yeah, Brad. I'd like to hear Brian's take on the Turkey situation. I don't know, Brian, mm -hmm. if you follow that, but like the, the Turkey, when I, when I was looking into different experiments that have been run like financially recently in modern monetary history, the Turkey one was kind of a mind boggling one for me because they've been experiencing like 20% inflation every year for like 20 yeah. years and their yeah. bonds are priced really high. Like they've got like high interest, 15, 20% interest rates and they fluctuate between 10 and 20 or so. And their society has not yet quite collapsed. You know what I mean? Like they're able to get by on this high inflationary, high interest rate system where it's almost like they're they're, they're there's a monetary experiment happening in Turkey that it seems like if this was, it seems like it's actually like the, the people that run the, the system are like, let's try this one here. Let's just tweak the, tweak the, uh, the simulation over in this country. And so what would they do with 20 years of 20% inflation? Well, and let, high interest? Let's just, let's just ask the question, what is inflation? And, and if we can, if we can just address that word, because some people say, Oh, it's complex. It has many variables. Well, that's true. And so you have politicians that take advantage of all those variables and obfuscate what's really going on. I mean, the Romans were blaming people gouging for food prices. In fact, we even heard Biden do, use that same excuse recently. And so, uh, you know, the, the real variable, the big variable for inflation is money printing. The big variable is seniorage, which was happening back in the Roman days. It's the same thing. It's stealing. It is theft. Okay, so so the real problem is that the money printer is accelerating um, and they're printing more and more money. And that's more or less stealing. It, it, it is gutting the, the middle class. OK, it, it's making the wealthier rich, you know. So, uh, you, you know, it takes let's, who, who's making this money, the central bank They're It's a bank. They're trying to make money. And how and also for their other banks and for their friends and for those who are politically connected, which is Wall Street. So this money printing very much services those people who have access to wholesale cheap money. And uh, and so why is Turkey doing this? You know, it, it's really about central. It's really about a centralized economy. They want to feed their centralized economy. They want to have their military. They want to expand their power for you know greater influence who does that serve does it serve the middle class or does it serve the upper, uh, the financial class is it the financial class or is it the working class that it really serves i think it's pretty obvious what's going on yeah and i, I guess it's like we could use turkey or europe or japan as examples of what could happen like it could this could keep going for another 20 years like they, they could keep yeah. kicking the can down the road with all kinds of financial tools that they keep creating like 
like Adam was saying, the, the central bank currencies and stuff. Look, this is one I really want. Here's what I think they're going to do. I think what they're, they might do, like this one would be awesome. If we could, uh, if we could get this one, I'd be happy. If they just say, um, listen, everybody's credit card limit is now $200,000 and you have 0% interest for two years. Go on, go spend. Or I know houses are affordable. We're going to subsidize everybody's house 70%. So you can go buy a house, whoever you are, you buy a house. They can do these kind of crazy moves still to really hack the economy and keep the can kicked down the road for quite a while while they install UBI and stuff. And we could have really high inflation for 20 years like Turkey, and then it could all fall apart eventually. But look, go ahead, Adam. Well, I think I think that your main question of how can Turkey keep on kicking the can down the road? It's a very interesting experiment. They've been they're having horrible they, they seem to be pulling off. It's because they're an authoritarian regime. It's easier to do this in an authoritarian regime when uh, if, if you don't obey, you're going to get killed and they're going to send the tanks in on you. So I, I think uh, that that's part of the reason they've been able to, uh, you know, things look pretty bad uh, and, and they've been able to carry out the inflation for, for quite some time in, in, in weird ways is because it's, it's, it's an authoritarian regime is the answer. But it won't last. It, it definitely it won't last. Uh, but it, it takes uh it, to change their situation would take a, a real, you know, violent revolution of the people. And then who, who wants to even get into that situation? But authoritarian regimes uh, have an easier way of, of doing uh, pulling off authoritarian uh, financial measures, I think, is the bottom line. And centralized economies, they can they can last 100 years, maybe even a thousand years. But we have a different situation now. We have Bitcoin. We have an escape. Bitcoin's going to fix this. And there's another there's another answer to this, too. I just looked at um, I remember Bitcoin Tino was talking to me about this, me and a bunch of people in Clubhouse a couple of years ago. Or I mean, a couple of months ago. And he brought up the point that their economy is growing really fast. At least their GDP on paper is is growing like almost double digits every year. So if they're able to grow their economy double digits, then it makes more sense that they can have double digit interest rates and, and sustain double digit inflation. But that's not scalable to like the rest of the world because, you know, how are we in North America or how is China or India going to grow double digit GDP? So like Turkey gets away with it because they, they have a fast growing economy or like at least a, a sustained growing economy. Um, but <laughs> we can't I don't think we're going to be able to sustain that type of uh, growth. Well, it's what about nominal growth and real growth? Oh, yeah. After adjusted for inflation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. negative, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we're we're not doing so hot. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah, I, I again, uh, it will be interesting to see um, how how big of a wind up they continue to have to give. Uh, before they kick that can down the road each time because uh, it's taken more and more oomph to get it to go uh, not nearly as far as it used to. You know, we were talking hundreds of billions during uh, 2008 um, and now trillions is like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm numb to hearing, oh, it's three trillion, it's four trillion. You know, maybe double digit trillions would, would make me perk up a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised it's it's and so yeah it's it's going to take more and more to uh be able to quote unquote stimulate and as as you said in japan like 
they're they're basically giving out stimmies and it's not doing much of anything. So we'll we'll see where that goes. But uh, yeah, we're all on the same page that at least Bitcoin can fix this for those that decide to uh, jump on the life raft. So um, yeah, well let's let's keep this rolling because I know Adam, you're you're on a tight timeline, and so I I don't want to miss your reason for being bullish. Brian, I thank you for your reason. It was a fantastic conversation around that. Um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Adam, uh, I, I want to know what has you excited this week, what you're bullish about. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it will make us all bullish. Take all right. Away. 13 minutes. You got me for until it's time to say Shabbat Shalom. Cool. Well, here we go. <laughs> here we go, dudes there. Everybody, you know, there's always these negative FUD stories out there through the years. I have experienced so much of them. It's all cyclical. They all come back and they're all being recycled again. So being the positive guy I am, I'm bullish when I can turn something negative into a positive for Bitcoin. Okay. So here we had on the side of Twitter where all the normies are, where everybody reads their headlines and they think this is the truth. This week, this made me bullish when I, when I read, beware of the flippening. Seven crypto experts break down the ominous sounding event and its implications for Bitcoin, uh, for Bitcoin. All right. Now, what I replied, mainstream media is so out of touch with Bitcoin that they write a 2017 article in 2021 and think it's original and enlightening. So they, I mean, they really, the, the, the mainstream media are so out of touch with what's going on on Bitcoin. They're writing a story about, you know, oh, this Ethereum's going up in value. It's going to flip in Bitcoin. We're so smart. We, everyone who was here in 2017, it's, it's like deja vu all over again. What, what the heck? This is, this is what they were writing then. Now that they're saying the same thing again. Has anyone learned anything? If you have learned something from all this, if you realize what nonsense that is, how hilarious it is to read about the flipping in the same way, like it's an original concept in 2021, like it was, you are in great shape. You are elite because most people who, and most people don't read articles. They read Twitter headlines, okay? Most people are believing everything they see in the Twitter headlines or the mainstream media headlines. If you can think for yourself, that is great. And for me, it is bullish that they haven't even caught on yet, okay, the mainstream media and the normies. They are still into Elon Musk talking about Dogecoin. They don't remember in 2017 Roger Ver talking about Bcash. That's all. Elon Musk is just an exponential version of Roger Ver talking about Bcash. People thought it was the end of the world in 2017. And then when they say they, they don't know about the concept of, you know, the altcoin flavor of the month. And that is proven time and time again by all the FUD is, that's out there. So for me, I am bullish because I realize what nonsense all of this is, that I have seen this cycle happen over and over again. And how does the cycle end? How does it end every time? Bitcoin to the freaking moon? People forget who Roger Ver even is now. All these normies who are talking about a, 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 a flippening, like it's an original thing, don't even know who Roger Ver is. Roger Ver was bigger than Elon Musk in terms of uh, Bitcoin in, in 2013. He was the end all that began all that whatever, whatever you want to say. And now most people in the Bitcoin space, in the cryptocurrency space, you talk, you ask them about who Roger Ver is. They have no idea 
who who he is. Okay, so we my 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 bullish. Uh, what I'm getting at here is I'm bullish because I've seen them all come and go, baby, and it's all going to happen again. There'll be someone bigger than Elon Musk. There'll be something bigger than the flippening that's a supposed threat. And if you can grasp that concept, that it's going to keep on happening over and over and over again, all these lies and distortions. But in the end of the day, Bitcoin keeps going up and there's never been a moment in Bitcoin's history where you can subtract 210,000 blocks and it's worth less. And so right now, if that continues, 210,000 blocks from now, if you're watching this in 20, uh, 2015, Bitcoin is worth more. Okay. It's a four year freaking savings account right there. So I'm bullish. I'm bullish because of the FUD because I understand that it's nonsense. I'm bullish because of the, the kingly figures that just come and go and are soon forgotten. Bitcoin's bigger than it all, bigger than it all. And Bitcoin, in the end of the day, always wins. So that that's that's what I've gotten from reading the ludicrous headlines of this on the side of Twitter. One of their main articles is about the flipping, like it's an original flipping. <laughs> oh my god! I I can I I want to to this topic. I gotta I gotta share the screen here for a second. Uh, uh, you know, Ethereum. Geez, looks pretty good. All time highs, hey. Well, you got to value your wealth in Bitcoin, friends, because uh, Ethereum is about uh, half of its previous all-time high when priced in sats. Um, and my guess is in a few years, it's going to look like Litecoin's chart, a volatile path to zero, my friends. Uh, I, th I think that it's going to continue. It'll have spikes. Uh, some people will get lucky timing things, but you're just gradually losing sats on a long enough time frame. Uh, you know, it's, it's a scary game to play. Um, also on the FUD, uh, I think that people need to up, up, up their game in terms of FUD. Uh, I like Krugman. We're all doomed because the mayor of New York wants his, uh, his uh, paycheck <laughs> in Bitcoin. Uh, also, this one from earlier in the year where the guy... He said if Bitcoin oh succeeds, yeah, where he literally cool. said we're all going to die. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's that's the fun level we need to be on is we're literally all going to die. <laughs> I think that's where we need to take this thing because we're basically almost there. But uh, I'll, I'll let Brian and Brad chime in if you want to. Yeah, I'd like to say Ethereum is a Dino. It's a decentralized in name only. Uh, Gary Ginsler, he is he is kryptonite to the Dinos. Um I think that uh, Ether is proven itself to, of its centralized powers just recently by burning tokens. So if you're adding tokens or burning tokens, it proves you have decentralized or you are, you are centralized. So yeah, they are, they are a Dino. They're decentralized in name only. Brad, how about you? Any thoughts on the FUD lately? Um, well, th this dovetails nicely into why I'm bullish. So maybe I'll just go with my, uh, my yeah. reason why I'm bullish Let's do it, man. because it is related. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm triggered a lot or I was at least in 2021. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happened in 2021 that I did not see. I did not predict, uh, Elon Musk pumping Dogecoin. <laughs> that was not something that I saw. I figured maybe there'd be another ICO bubble or something yeah. new would come. But I did not start to th I did not think that celebrities, influencers, really super wealthy billionaires would be pumping total joke cryptocurrencies like that was something that I, I 
I just did not see that. And I know a lot of us didn't see that. Not even the crypto people saw that. Not even the Ethereum people saw Sheeb, the rise of Sheeb coin and Safe Moon Ponzi schemes and all this stuff. Like those guys were like, we're building all through the bear market and we're going to like flip in Bitcoin. And then they get outperformed by literal scam artists that are just like launching pump and dumps on TikTok. And and like, you know, it, it kind of weakens their narrative of like, we outperform Bitcoin. Well, you got outperformed by a literal Ponzi scheme. So don't get so <laughs> ahead of yourself. But what makes me bullish in this ridiculous crypto bubble with all this nonsense that's like swirling around and and like all these things that I didn't think were going to happen, but that ended up happening is Bitcoiners. And like it's it, it sucks to see, you know, to know Bitcoin, to know the message of Bitcoin and to know what Bitcoin is and to tr be trying for so long to push forward that message and to teach people about why Bitcoin's important and really like kind of like wake them up and on, on the principles of sound money and Austrian economics, or even just like hard money versus Keynesianism or whatever. Um, to see some of my personal heroes, like people like Tim Ferriss that I looked up to for a long time as an entrepreneur growing up, read a lot of his books, listened to his podcast religiously, got a lot of good thinking from him, start to like, shill nfts and and uh, and like ethereum coins and stuff like that it's really frustrating and and kind of like almost it hurts you know like i don't know if any of you guys have had that experience where somebody has shilled some shit coin then you're like man that hurts like <laughs> i really respected that person this this is not the way i would hope that hyper bitcoinization would go down but it's easy to focus on all that stuff when there's a bubble and we're living through dot-com 2.0. Like this is going to get, I think it's going to get crazier. Like Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's going to keep going, but I think there's going to be a lot of crazy nonsense happening with SPACs, companies going public with, with shitcoin treasuries, companies buying shitcoins on their treasuries. Like they're just going to be following along. Everything is going to be, there's probably going to be a country that makes a shitcoin legal tender. Like this, this bubble is going to be nuts, but we have Bitcoiners and we have Bitcoin. And that's this is almost like like Adam said about Roger Ver. To me, it feels like this is almost worse than the 2017 fork war. I mean, I'm not afraid for Bitcoin. Like I, in 2017, there was a point where I was afraid for Bitcoin success. I thought that the the miners that own 70 percent of the hash power and Roger and all and like Coinbase and all these big companies were actually going to go through with it. And they were actually going to try to take Bitcoin and we were going to have to like have the nuclear option and and like hard fork. But they called it off because of Bitcoiners. And it, this time seems like it's it's different, but it's almost worse <laughs> for me because there's no like there's no big fight, you know, like we're succeeding. So it's like we are succeeding. Bitcoin is winning, but yet it still feels like we're fighting, even though there's no attacks on Bitcoin. I mean, there is some attacks, but not to the level of 2017. So I try to think like, okay, I just have to focus on Bitcoiners because that is honestly the signal that keeps me bullish on Bitcoin and hopeful because like there's like a few categories of Bitcoiners that really I, I, I'm glad we have. The Bitcoin philosophers, the people that like deep think, you know, they, they have deep thinky thoughts as American HODL would say. <laughs> they have nice, nice thinky thoughts. <laughs> I like that. They keep us, you know, like grounded in reality with, with fundamental reasonings and essays. People like Tomer Strolite and, and um, Robert Breedlove, Alex Gladstein with all the content he's writing to, to like appeal to the mainstream and 
to progressives and people that care about human rights and freedom. And that like those Bitcoin, all those Bitcoin philosophers that you don't see that in crypto. You don't see that stuff. So that makes me super bullish on Bitcoin and Bitcoiners, Bitcoin entrepreneurs who are building Bitcoin only businesses, um, not caving into the the like the draw, the easy money um that's there in crypto there's billions of dollars literally billions of dollars freshly printed from the the pits of the money printer that are being funneled into these high super high net worth hedge funds and stuff that are just piling their shitcoin like fiat printed wealth into shitcoins and into like crypto casinos and all this stuff and you got people like jack mallers <laughs> that are just sitting there like, no, I'm not going to take this. I'm Bitcoin is the way Bitcoin only is the way this is what the signal is. And I'm going to stay focused on Bitcoin and Jack Dorsey, who honestly inspires me. And I'm so glad we have Jack Dorsey to, to, to do what he's doing with cash app and to do what he's doing with square crypto and build in the new company. They announced like all the stuff that those guys are doing makes me like, you know, hopeful. It's like there's a nightmare happening all around and you see the like the white light. You know, it's these Bitcoin entrepreneurs that are like Corey Clipson from Swan as well. Focus on Bitcoin education, the mission of Bitcoin only entrepreneurs that are building on Bitcoin. Makes me super happy that like this is the way it's even though there's a lot of craziness happening. We do have some really good um, fundamentally Bitcoiner entrepreneurs that get it and they're not just in, in it for the money mm -hmm. they're in it for the mission um yeah developers we go ahead. really quick we should say goodbye to adam he has to run and right. thought i apologize brad That's Dude, fine. yeah because it is i really do leave when shabbat starts and shabbat is starting in one minute shabbat shalom everybody have a great one thank you adam. Say, to what brad is to what brad is saying <laughs> yeah this it's just getting started the craziness outside of the Bitcoin space in terms of uh, the pumps and everything. And yet this time there is not a direct serious attack on Bitcoin, but there's going to be a lot of great, I mean, NFT craziness stuff. We, we, of course, we never could have predicted Elon Musk. A billionaires were going to be uh, talking about altcoins. So it's going to even get crazier than this. What a time to be alive. For me, it's a positive because Bitcoin's going to be awesome uh, during the insane altcoin craziness too. So thanks a lot, Benny. Thanks a lot, everybody. Shabbat shalom. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. See ya. Pound that Brad like button. <laughs> and Brad, you can continue your thought. I'm sorry to interject No, there. that's fine. I forgot he had to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like the so so the, the developers too, the Bitcoin developers that are you know, not taking the easy pay, easy money. There's a lot of smart people that have actually come into crypto because they've been attracted by these billion dollar incentive funds that are that are out there and they're going and they're building things on these other chains because they can get paid out of the pre-mine. And the Bitcoin developers are some of the most like principled people, I think, because they're 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 refusing to give in on their principles and go just get an easy paycheck from a, a shitcoin company. And they're working on like Lightning Network and the second and third layer stuff and optimizing Bitcoin, like doing work on privacy and compression and all that stuff, decentralizing mining. That's all super important. And we've got Human Rights Foundation, Brink Bitcoin, um, Square Crypto, um, Chain Code Labs. There, there's a there's a couple others, people that are do, even some of the crypto casinos now, like Gemini is sponsoring Bitcoin developers. OK Coin is sponsoring Bitcoin developers. It's it's awesome to see 
some of these people are at least paying their Bitcoin tithing. Like they're making money on the shitcoin bubble, but they're at least doing and, and like Bitcoiners are making that happen. You know, we're 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 just kind of like keeping them honest in a little bit of a way. Like you got to pay your Bitcoin tithing, like sponsor some Bitcoin devs, you know, put some money up. And so at least we have that. We have resources being allocated to Bitcoin developers that are building out during this crazy bubble. Um, and the investors, like the the venture capitalist investors, people that are taking their money, their Bitcoin wealth or their fiat wealth or whatever, and investing it in the Bitcoin entrepreneurs and uh, those people that are building up Bitcoin infrastructure that, you know, maybe they probably could get better gains by putting that money, uh, that $100 million fund or something, like take some of the money and put a million into some shitcoin fund that's going to get a 200x because they're pre-mining a token and like Solana, you know what I mean? Like that type of nonsense where Chamath, Polyapatia and Jason Calacanis and those guys were just on a on a podcast the other day bragging about how they got like four cent Solana tokens and now they're dumping them on everybody for like 200 bucks or whatever that thing is, you know, like that stuff's available to Bitcoin venture capitalists, but they're focused long term, like Mimesis Capital is one that they just came out with that uh, that film. They co-produced it with Tomer and, and Swan. That was, and, that was a good one. I like that. Great. One. Like, you know, that's long term Bitcoin thinking. They understand that like this is kind of altruistic investing where you've taken some of your wealth. You know, you could get more money in the casino, but you're building infrastructure. You're allocating it towards Bitcoin developers who are sticking to their principles and building Bitcoin only to build out the infrastructure. And like, I think everybody should pay attention to Stillmark and Bitcoiner Ventures and Trammel Venture Partners and, and and Bitcoin Magazine is doing such an, not only are they like one of the best media companies, but they're investing venture capital style into Bitcoin entrepreneurs building on Bitcoin. So B Bitcoin Magazine is just so awesome that we have these guys. And then last category of like Bitcoiners that keeps me super bullish is the investors, like the Bitcoiners that help me build my conviction. People that are like super eloquently um, evangelizing the reasons why Bitcoin is the best investment that we can have. Like Michael Saylor, man, whenever I listen to Michael Saylor, I, my bullishness just like comes back. If I've been like looking at those shitty tweets in the nests or in the in the sidebar or whatever, and I see some stupid nonsense about Shiba Army is trending on Twitter in Canada, a million tweets. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Then I see something by Preston Pish or I go on Clubhouse and I listen to Bitcoin Tina or I just listen to some Bitcoin investor that is super eloquently describes Bitcoin. And it just makes me grateful that like I we've got these minds in Bitcoin that can really help me and other Bitcoiners stay convicted in these nonsense bubbles that happen. And, you know, I guess in the end, it's Bitcoin is 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 for the ninety nine percent, and that is why a lot of us got into like Occupy Wall Street and followed Ron Paul and stuff. It's because we were sick and tired of what central bankers were doing and bruning the money for the ninety nine percent. But that is what Bitcoin is. It's the signal that everybody should be paying attention to, and maybe they won't be until hyper Bitcoinization happens. Like it's going to take a lot of education and a lot of work, but it's like the the every 10 minutes there's there's another heartbeat of like rational fundamentals that keeps me bullish on bitcoin and bitcoiners who who are also like tuning into that same signal of the bitcoin block you know it's like every 10 minutes there's a lot of noise but that's the signal and those of us that pay attention to that bitcoin signal are the types of people that keep me bullish on on bitcoin
Yeah. I, I love that. And and I just want to touch on a, a couple quick things on what you said, and then I'll, I'll toss it to Brian for any of his, his thoughts about what you were saying there too. Um, I think, I, I think the, the people that you're alluding to um, the, the sound thinkers that, that, really hone in on the signal and then present it so well. That's the reason that we're seeing not only Bitcoin continue to kind of dominate everything in terms of like nothing can really touch it and, and people getting it and people with a lot of capital getting it. Um, I, I think it's because that signal and, and the way it's presented is so consistent Whereas everything outside of Bitcoin has to continually justify its existence versus Bitcoin. And as Bitcoin fills those use cases, if they're actually useful, they need to shift gears and completely change what they're trying to do, right? The world's computer became, uh, you know, a, a launch pad for company security tokens became uh whatever the hell it is now it you know it's it's now ultrasound money apparently because they they tweaked the monetary policy which is exactly what we need somebody that can pull <laughs> levers and push buttons um it's it's always shifting of well you know bitcoin can't do this so that's why we're here oh wait bitcoin's doing it oh uh well we can do this other thing too so it's it's a lot of that but i think part of your and i i echo your um, frustration in seeing a lot of this stuff is because, yeah, you're right. Even when we're winning, even when things are going to plan, even when, when Bitcoin is, is doing incredibly well, it's the backdrop is this cacophony of, of, uh, you know, hundred Xing shit coins that are mm -hmm. totally irrational. And when Bitcoin hits a bear market, it's a cacophony of, of Keynesian economists saying, I told you so. So on either side of the market, whether it's going up or it's going down, you either have Keynesians or shit corners saying, I told you so. But when it finally turns around and one of those sides get, gets burned, they, they've just kind of pissed off and, and they've gone away. And so you don't get that moment of I told you so. And then an, an, another cycle comes along and, and the shit corners have that got burned have disappeared and there's a whole new group of people coming in doing the same thing learning for the first time so you never have that moment of recognition of oh yeah you were correct it's just you just you just stay the course <laughs> and you just see this revolving door of people coming in saying we're smarter than you oh goodbye oh <laughs> we're smarter than you oh goodbye and it just it happens over and over again and you never really truly get the satisfaction of like oh you know what actually though you you were correct you know I, we're, we're coming around to to your line of thinking um it it ha it doesn't really happen that often so Rare. yeah <laughs> brian i don't know if you if you want to tag in anything to what uh, yeah brian i, I enjoyed about. that ben and I, I enjoyed um brad's uh, discussion on, on what's keeping him bullish um i want to hone in on 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 the noise that you talked about brad uh, especially uh, about Musk, Elon Musk, and, and also Roger Ver, they, they both jumped into this this boat, the big block boat. And uh, I, I think um, there's a couple ways to look at this. This is truly noise. Uh, both of these guys are, from my perspective, are looking for short-term profits. They just want to, you know, make the blocks bigger, um, 
for scalability, and it's not a long-term solution. Whereas on the other side of that, you have people like Adam Back, who you know was part of Hashcash, inventing that. He really understands the long-term message, and that is decentralization. That that really takes us to what the core innovation here by Satoshi Nakamoto, and uh, that, that that's it. it, it I really believe Elon Musk has a huge blind spot, a technical blind spot in software. You know, he claims he's read that white paper, but, uh, but he does not understand the, the core innovation here. And the core innovation is decentralization because never before uh, had someone been able to do a peer-to-peer transaction without an intermediary. And uh, Satoshi Nakamoto accomplished that with the white paper 13 years ago. And he proved it out about three or four months later in January, you know, which is com- coming up soon. And so um, I-, I think this kind of gives an opportunity because I want to I want to uh, talk about some basics here just for the newcomers, you know, the, the noobs here that are just learning about Bitcoin. And there's something called the, the Byzantine generals problem that com- computer scientists could not figure out when they had a distributed network. How, c- if you had something that was mission critical, like let's say you have a bunch of generals and we needed to attack or we needed to withdraw and what was the signal and what was the time, but some of the generals were not reliable and perhaps some of the communications were not reliable. That was the Byzantine's general problem. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto solved that problem. He wrote about it, and a lot of people in the community said, you haven't done that. There's something centralized about this. Well, he proved out Bitcoin is the most decentralized solution ever. And, and it's really, it's, it's an amazing inno- innovation. It's not just being able to do a transaction from peer to peer without an intermediary. It's the fact that it can scale. And that's what we and Adam Back have patience to accomplish that by building out, you know, second layer and these other technologies so that it can scale without making the blockchain really big that threatens decentralization. Because when you have a really big blockchain, then you have central servers that are going to have to operate that. And uh, that's, that, that really violates the original um, intent here of a decentralized solution. And uh, Elon Musk and, and Roger Ver, these are guys that are interested in short-term gains. And we're really talking about something that's very special here. Bitcoin is the macro consensus. Money is macro consensus. Bitcoin is the best macro consensus. Nothing, there's no money out there more decentralized than Bitcoin. Nothing even comes close. It's uh, it's the the development of of Bitcoin is is very in tune with um, the idea of low time preference, right? Like you're you're talking about all these people that they just want the quick fix and what's the quickest way to get more transactions per second? Well, we'll just we'll bump up the block size. It doesn't matter if we do a a non backwards compatible change to the protocol or how often we do it. Doesn't matter. If down the line that means that individuals can't run nodes, we need this now. Does it, you know we we just want to fix? We'll figure it out later. And as we're seeing, you know, you can't run a, a node on Ethereum. It's it's got to be on AWS. Uh, you know, it, it's it. 
it calls into question the whole point of why we're even here if you cannot validate yourself. And again, not everybody has to run a node, but it's very important that everybody can run a node if they choose to do so. Yeah, and, and let's, let's, we know this is gonna be very disruptive. I mean, when I was in El Salvador, I could buy a cup of coffee, you know, spend $1.50, it cost me less than one cent for the transaction, it would confirm it less than two seconds. Um, that is disruptive, not only to Western Union, that is disruptive to Visa, to MasterCard. We're talking about on Lightning Network, less energy, faster, cheaper. You know, within a year from now, when everyone gets up to speed, goes through this learning curve in El Salvador, goodbye, you know, Visa, hello, Bitcoin. Yeah, it's it's really going to, I think it's going to change, change a lot. And I think that... Um, I don't know if it was Brad or if it was uh, Adam that said it, but people are sleeping on this. They're sleeping on what's actually being built uh, on top of Bitcoin. I mean, we're, we've we've been talking about it today. We've been talking about Lightning. We've been talking about things like CoinJoin and and uh, and now I'm totally forgetting the name of it. Uh, the the <laughs> Mercury Wallet uh, with State Mercury, Chains. Yeah, State Chains, uh, and then and then all of the impervious AI uh stuff being built on top of lightning it's it's wild to think um what is possible and uh it, it when when you actually look at, at what can be done without the need for additional tokens and entirely different blockchains and cramming everything onto layer one it's it's pretty humbling and i and i don't think that most people that are holding these other altcoins um one care but those that maybe do care, I don't think that they've taken the time to see what's possible uh, without the need for a token. It's not just Bitcoin. It's Bitcoin, the network. It's, it's there's 100 million Satoshis in every Bitcoin. And Lightning Network is all about just little sats. So, yeah, it's going to become a medium of exchange just for sats, too. And uh, this, if you take the Bitcoin as, as the most, um, the hardest asset out there. And you, you, you take this amazing network peer to peer without any intermediaries and then lightning, which does it in seconds. We're talking about the most exciting software project on the planet. I, I can't think of anything that's more exciting than this. Yeah, I would absolutely echo that. Um, I, I think, all I want to do now, I'm going to, I'm going to start rounding things out. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, I'll get any final thoughts from both you gentlemen uh, and then, and then we'll round it out. So um, uh, of course, everybody that's watching, thank you very much for being here. Um, maybe I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll go to Brad first, Brad, if you have any final thoughts about anything that we, we chatted about today and also let people know where they can find you. Um. Yeah, no, I would just say like I'm I'm a super big fan of uh, Clubhouse. Even still, like the community is a bit smaller now, but it's still pretty pretty decent size. And anybody that has a friend or a family member or whatever that you're trying to orange pill, I think Clubhouse is a really good resource. Sometimes you know there's a lot of people on Clubhouse that are retired off Bitcoin. And they're not worried about getting canceled, so they say some things that are a little controversial <laughs> or just like off the cuff, like a. Uh, you know, not politically correct or whatever. So, so you may have to give that little warning to the 
the friend or the family member that you might hear some things in this clubhouse room that could trigger you a little bit, but the signal is important. What they're saying makes sense and it's very important. And I think it's like Bitcoin's, one of Bitcoin's greatest resources right now is all these people that are out there on clubhouse, just answering questions, talking about their conviction in Bitcoin, talking about why Bitcoin matters. And I, I do think it's a great resource and people should use it a little bit more and send send their folks that are maybe having a hard time getting orange pilled because a profit is never welcome in their hometown. So if you got someone in your family mem family that's like, I'm not gonna listen to you. I saw you pee in your pants when you were a kid. Why do I, why am I gonna listen to you about money? Just send them to the Bitcoin. Uh, it's a common problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you do that last night. <laughs> yes, send them to Clubhouse and and kind of hang out with us. And uh, Black Bitcoin Billionaires on Clubhouse is an awesome club, and the Cafe Bitcoin Club. And uh, yeah, you you come you come in there with us sometimes too, Ben. I I do enjoy it. It's it's like my when I'm like, God, I got to talk to somebody about Bitcoin just just because I could just jump in there really quick. And all of a sudden there's a room full of people talking about exactly what I want to hear. So it's it's uh, it's definitely a nice little release for me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great app. Definitely check it out. Check out Clubhouse. Of course, uh, uh, Brad's uh, Twitter handle is is down below. Um, you can check him out, Adam, as well. Uh, Brian, I'll toss it to you, whose Twitter handle is also in the show notes. But Brian, uh, any final thoughts and, and any uh, resources or, or anything you want to point people to? Yeah, I, I love hanging out with, with Bitcoiners. You know, they, they, they have crystal clear vision on, on long term what's going to be happening. Um, I, I think uh, what I'd like to do is for if you want to connect with me, um, I recommend going to zenimal.xyz. That's like Zen and minimalism. So zenimal.xyz, and you can link into my Twitter. And also, I recommend the other highly recommended references on zenimal.xyz. And also, my 16 use cases are there. But uh, as far as talking my, about my book, I don't, really wanna, I don't really want to plug that right now because that takes more time to discuss. But uh, I really want to just focus on use case, why I'm excited, why I'm very bullish on Bitcoin during this, during this session. Awesome. Well, uh, Ryan, Brad, it was awesome having you. Also, shout out to Adam Meister for coming on first time on Why Are We Bullish? Uh, always a pleasure having uh, him. And of course, you guys are welcome back anytime. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be seeing you in the future. Um, I'm going to cut your audio and video for now. But uh, guys, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for helping me train my strong hands for strong holding hands. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys later. Uh, and everybody that's watching the stream. Thank you guys so much for watching as always like subscribe, share all those things. They really, really do help. Um, of course, if you want to help out the show in another way, you can hit up the previously mentioned sponsors. Those were uh, shake pay, uh, bill fodl, uh, bit refill, uh, keystone, and oh my god i'm forgetting oh no uh anyways they're all in the show notes down there um i'm, I'm gonna get roasted by somebody here and, and of course if you want if you really enjoyed what you saw you can always drop me a bitcoin tip at my strike page strike.me slash btc sessions leaden leaden those guys they're awesome
they're in Canada, they're in Toronto. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. Uh, anyways, you can drop me a Bitcoin tip at my strike.me page, strike.me slash BTC sessions. Get there, type in any amount you want, hit the tip button. You'll be greeted with a lightning invoice or if you tap to the right, a regular Bitcoin QR code. With that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening wherever you may be. And I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Hold the Bitcoin.